0: Join us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham.
1: Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 53. And today... It's all about mom. It really is. Except it's all about hummingbird moms. How cool is that? Oh, it's so cool. We're
2: going to talk all about how hummingbird moms, what do they go through? Raise a family, have that household, kick those kids off into the world, send them off to be
1: successful.
2: What does it take for her to do all of that? And does she get any help whatsoever?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know one thing, Brian. She's a busy, busy, busy bird. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so stick around for the fun, everybody. All right, Brian, man, dude, it seems like it's been an ages since you and I've talked. Is We both took a little trip and vacation. I took one a little longer mm-hmm. than yours. And man, it's like you and I haven't talked for a couple of weeks, it seems like.
2: having withdrawal man i know just from the (laughs) podcast standpoint no one will ever know a difference right
1: (laughs) yeah well we used to touch and base on what's going on you know people think we just do it for the podcast but no we're we're constantly touching base on what's going on in our yards or whatever product we're testing or whatever it might be and and uh, to go to go a couple of weeks that's that's uh, unusual for you and i not to be touching base but (laughs) And with everything happening, oh my gosh, I came, I was in Texas on a birding trip with a bunch of friends and, and was gone, you know, just shy of, of, uh, you know, two weeks and, uh, to come back and it's just, you know, we've talked in previous podcasts, how spring was starting to show up Mm -hmm. and little signs of, (laughs) it's here, it, it's erupted (laughs) totally now, man. It come back and everything's green. And I've got all these great migrant birds in my backyard. It's Ooh. awesome.
2: Oh, yeah. I love it. I'm always reminded you get that spring break time. And if you leave home and when you come back a week later, it's it's those kinds of things. And so many more things are popping. Uh, it's so much fun. This morning, I woke up to a wood thrush singing a quiet song literally right out my window, uh, low in a tree. And that was. Oh,
1: and wow. it was raining. It was and it was raining this morning too. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. The, the, the the sound of the rain and the wood thrush in the background. Oh, man, you think you're you're like in the North Woods somewhere.
2: Yeah, and it's almost like did I leave an app running somewhere? To- <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the
2: soothing sounds of rain and bird calls. No, it was literally from nature, right out the window.
1: It was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, what other birds are showing up in your yard? I, well, literally, I'm not joking. Right now, I'm sitting here watching a Baltimore Oriole mm-hmm. at my at my jelly and, and nectar feeder. I'm watching a rose-breasted grosbeak beak sitting on my seed hopper. I'm watching a ruby-throated hummingbird sitting on a little perch in anticipation of coming to the hummingbird feeder mm-hmm. right here by my window. Uh, it's been white-throat sparrows are still here. I've had house wrens. House wrens are back already, which seems incredible. I'm going to check some of my records. I haven't taken the time to do that yet. But my house wrens have been back for a couple of days. Uh, And then then, the the star of the show for both you and I every spring Mm -hmm. is our yellow-throated warblers. I mean, oh my gosh, what a beautiful bird. And they're coming right up to my feeder right here by my window. Uh, so how cool is that? Just amazing, and what, you know, what I'm
2: hearing from you is the early birds getting the worms here, or at least the <laughs> early birds are getting John's food. <laughs>
1: oh man, yeah, they're having a blast, but it's it's just I'm having so much fun. My wife and I, uh, again, only been back a couple of days, but we took time yesterday working on the yard and doing different things, mm-hmm. and uh, but took the time yesterday a couple of times just to sit on our little patio deck that we have and. Watch our feeders and and listen. And, you know the the sounds of spring. Uh, we've got uh, uh, American toads and gray tree frogs. The Fowler's and toads
2: or the American toads?
1: America, the Americans. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, the yep, trill. Yep. yep. Love you know, talk many time about the water around me. I've got a creek and a lake and, and a little stream next to me. And they get down in that little stream area, and, and it's breeding time of the year, and they're just calling away in the cacophony. Uh, it's, it's, it's there during the day, but, boy, at night, you go outside at night, mm-hmm. and, and between the, the <laughs> chattering of the great tree frogs mm-hmm. and, and the trilling of the, uh, of the toads, the American toads, Oh, it's just, it's just so spectacular. It's such a great thing.
2: Well, and they're easy to get confused by people might think they're just another bird talking.
1: Exactly. I, the great tree frog for a lot of people. Uh, oh, bluebird just showed up on my trellis. So. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I'm having too much fun? Oh, right. you know. It's the birds. So, yeah, lots of things going on. Mm-hmm. And yet you and I both abandoned ship. And, <laughs> we and did. Took little vacations. <laughs> so so what what did you do on yours? We went up into Quebec. We have some good friends.
2: They are from way up into Quebec, out into the country. Their family up there has some maple sugaring operations. So we went up to visit those. And, of course, I was listening for birds and looking for birds the whole time. So having a a lot of fun learning about making maple syrup up there. And uh, one of the really cool parts was we visited one of her aunts. um, And I believe she's in her 80s. Her aunt. And uh, visited her. She has some bird feeders right outside of her window. She's loving watching all these birds come in. you got black cat chickadees and purple finches and blackbirds. Lots of different blackbird species that like to dominate the bird feeder when they come in. And she was kind of mm. complaining about, man, they're just they're chasing off all my little birds. What do I do about that? Uh, mm. So I said, you know, I'm I'm looking at what you're feeding here. I think if you just put in some sunflower chips into the, your, she has a tube feeder and a tray feeder. I said, leave the stuff in the tube. Let's put some sunflower chips in the tray feeder. So we went and found some for her, and uh, we delivered it. I put it in for her. We took off. An hour later, she's sending a text with a photo of six evening grosbeaks. She has never had evening grosbeaks at her feeders. Wow. She was thrilled just because she changed it up a little bit and mm. they happened to find it pretty quickly. So she was very excited.
1: I bet she was. <laughs> now, now now, she's going to have to have a big supply of uh, sunflower though at this point because those guys will eat you out of house and home. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she's got plenty. So we're good got- to go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You'll have to you'll have to shir- ship her a bag every once in a while, right? That's right. That's right. Well, those mother hummingbirds are pretty darn tough. And I think maybe it's time we start uh, just kind of talking a little bit about how cool and how tough mother hummingbirds really are.
2: It's Mother's Day time. It's coming up here. And uh, arguably, I would say that hummingbird moms are probably the champions
1: of Mother's Day in the bird world. Yeah, you know, when you think about it, and yeah, it's hard, you know, there's so many, what, 10,000 different species of birds in the world. To, right. To say that hummingbird moms <laughs> are the champion mother of all time, I, I don't know. I do know this, they are amazing. They have a tough, tough road to raise their young every summer and are in the case of annas in the winter right <laughs> but <laughs> but That's it's tough. a tough road and <laughs> they have so many things that you would think would cause them to you know not have a high success rate you know that might impact mm-hmm. the fledgling mm-hmm. success of fledging their young or whatever it might be and yet hummingbirds i'm going to say ruby throat hummingbird is and all hummingbirds have some of the highest nesting success rates of any migratory bird that yes. comes north, you know, as as a migrant from from Latin America, Neotropics, which is amazing because there's just so many things that are against them. You know, oh, we could yes. go down a you know go well, down the list. Well, and they're small, I mean, and this little yeah, tiny well. bird that needs to migrate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, just the fact that they make it back here in the first place is the amazing thing. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, and we've talked about it before, but not only do they make it back to the to to North America, and they literally sometimes, they will come back, what I think I've seen statistics at about 25% of the time, they will actually come back and rejuvenate an old nest, you know, and, and, and nest in that one again. You know, oh, yeah. So it's like, not only are they making it back, they're coming back to the, and we, and we talked about it, they come back to the same exact feeder. I yes. mean, it's just that this, this bird has a brain the size of a BB. It's you know, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Man, it's, but it's, it's a teeny tiny brain, but it's a mighty one. Just like, just like the hummingbird moms. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, and to think that the migration alone, um, and then you have the Rufus hummingbird that is going from way southern mexico yeah. for some of the extreme yeah. southern ones going all the way to alaska and yeah. to migrate thousands of miles to go and nest and they are, they are the, the rufus hummingbird just to, to take that that route and go up and have one brood pretty much I take i take one yeah. shot raise my family and then start heading back and then yeah. they go they go back a little more slowly than they did <laughs> heading up so, during so,
1: springtime. Yeah. but yeah. So the odds are totally stacked against <laughs> them even making it back here. And then when they get back here, they are, I think the statistic is about one percent of all birds raise their young without parental help. In other words, they're they're totally alone. There's no pair bond with the male, there's no assistance with the male. They are totally on their own. The only thing that they do together is the actual mating. And therefore, you know, after that, the male has nothing to do. And if anything, the male harasses the female. We've all seen (laughs) it harasses the heck out of the female. She comes to our feeders. And so you think about that. This, this hummingbird mom is again, part of, I think 1% of all birds that are raising their young, totally on their own. Well, the, Cards are stacked against you right there compared to 99% of all the other birds. And then have to put up with a male that's constantly giving you grief when you try (laughs) to get to the feeders. So you got to give these moms credit. They are a hearty, hearty, hearty bunch of uh, uh, mothers.
2: Oh, for sure. You know, it's interesting too that. Speaking of that competition, and the male sets up a territory where he wants to feed. And if the female's trying to feed in that area too, and he's harassing her, uh, it's interesting that a lot of the hummingbird species, the female's tongue, as she feeds on nectar flowers, is actually <laughs> longer than the yeah. male's tongue. So she and can why? feed on certain <laughs> flowers that he can't.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that's. Get, oh, the. Gets her access, oh, man. access yeah. to more food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, again, she's doing this all by herself. She builds the nest. She incubates the eggs. She fledges the young Mm -hmm. the whole nine yards. And then that takes about 45 days. Yeah. And and then quite often before she's actually fledged the young out of her first (laughs) nest. Yes, sports fans. She's already building a second nest. It's amazing. Yeah. And starts it all over again. Mm -hmm. So she not only does it once. (laughs) She does it twice. Which, again, most of our neotropic migrants, the birds that come here to, to nest in the in the summer from the tropics, they usually only have one brood. Right. So, for a hummingbird to have two broods mm-hmm. is, again, kind of outside the norm and kind yeah. of an exception. And why, why have to, you know, the, the level of energy and wear and tear it must be for her to raise those young to do it a second time? Wow. It's crazy. amazing. Well, yeah, and that
2: ruby-throated hummingbird in the east will will generally do about two nestings. The black yeah. chin, which is pretty much just kind of a, a southwestern visitor, uh, a western as well, not just southwest, mm-hmm. but kind of a, a western area visitor, neotropic migrant, they'll do one to three depending on where they are. So some of them will do one yeah. one nesting, uh, others will do two or three, which yeah, is a and lot and- for a neotropical and-
1: Anna, Anna just does one, right?
2: No, this is the fun part too. Anna's hummingbirds will do two to three nestings. Oh, because they <laughs> yeah. don't really do much in the way of migration, and it's uh, it's really cool because they're not waiting till spring. They actually the Anna's hummingbirds, uh, because you, you find them in the West Coast states, a lot of times they'll actually nest during winter. Uh and so right now <laughs> mom is finishing up so by mother's day by our mother's day mom has done two or three broods and she's like i'm done kids households are closed you go off into the world and be successful i've done my job
1: <laughs> yeah i was having that senior moment it's the rufus that only has the one yes Again, yes, yes yes you think you think about the migration uh distances that probably has a lot to do with just having the one the one brood there but uh yeah so yeah different schemes different schemes for different hummingbirds and of course there's what 320 some odd species of hummingbirds so we're just talking about a handful of them now but overall between the tropics and and we only get what i think we we get about species. just about that that, that come into north america so vast majority of them are down in the tropics and and uh it's interesting fact that, that it is uh, hummingbirds are strictly a new world bird. You, you have North America, Central America, South America. You don't have hummingbirds anywhere else in the world. They're not in Africa. They're not in Asia. They're not in Australia. They're not anywhere else. Yeah. They're, not, yeah, they're simply a North American, new world, uh, South American, Central American uh, bird. And so uh, it's interesting when you get that 320 plus species. Uh, that makes them the second highest uh, group of birds. I think they're second only to flycatchers yeah. in regards to the most yeah. numerous no- number of species. So they're very successful is the point <laughs> that they are doing. You know, and you have to lay that all on these incredible hummingbird mothers. <laughs>
0: Did you know that Wild Birds Unlimited has more than 350 stores across North America? If you're enjoying this podcast, you might also enjoy becoming a Wild Birds Unlimited franchise store owner. To learn about the business opportunity, visit wbu.com slash franchise.
1: The egg they lay... Egg is about the size of a a standard blueberry, you know, a little, little, not these big giant blueberries you get these days, but a regular blueberry. That's one eighth of their body weight. When they lay an egg, (laughs) it's one eighth of their body weight. It's like, are you kidding me? I I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. They're
2: so small. And, you know, and then you lay two eggs and you've put it into this little nest that you've built. if, If you've never seen a hummingbird nest, John, every once in a while, one will blow down out of a tree and in my yard. And yeah. I oh, I so want to keep it if I could, but yeah. <laughs> all nests yeah, are protected. I not tell anybody. But, but I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy observing it for a while, and I put it somewhere where I can watch it in the yard until it just ends up disappearing in the wind or whatever. But in, in, we talk about some nests are just little um, engineering marvels hmm. and how a hummingbird will, when they make their nest, it's about the size of a golf ball. And I'm amazed at the materials they use, because they're using lots of plant down and spider webs. Who knew? You know, all those little spider and spider webs that you you have around your home. When the hummingbirds are around, don't take them all down. Let mom use the spider webs to basically glue little plant down fibers together to make her nest. And uh, it's interesting, too, what kind of plant down fibers are used um, you know if you yeah. think about it dandelions are a little plant down fiber you know when they start to go to seed and they blow would blow and they went blow away in the wind or thistle uh, those are little thistle heads with the little down on the top right mm-hmm. before they blow away in the wind and we're always trying to take them out of our yard <laughs>
1: so leave, yeah, maybe yeah. leave
2: some things for mama Hummingbird so she can have a better shot at uh, raising a, a successful family right? well
1: and you know and it, we, they eat a lot of insects you know that's yes one of things that maybe not as commonly known but they they do feed the protein that they get mm-hmm. it comes from a lot of small insects uh they do use the spider webs and so, they love you know, eating spiders <laughs> <laughs> yeah and spider <laughs> eggs yeah Yep. so you'll see them quite often in, in, you know like underneath the eaves of your house cruising mm-hmm. along trying to find the spider webs or whatever you know the, yeah because they they're not there. looking for
2: flowers up there
1: <laughs> and, and, and I I've told this story before but I, I was at a person's house uh, last year and they're insect averse <laughs> they, they, ah. <laughs> they, they really don't like any kind of bug any way, shape or form and they do a lot of pest control. And I went for a little walk around their house, and I literally, there was not a spider web, there was not an insect, Mm. there was nothing. And I'm thinking, okay, if you really love hummingbirds, you you need to leave a little bit of that in place, you know, so that the hummingbirds can cruise up there and get the spider web that they need to glue that plant down together for their nest or to get the spiders that are up there or the little bugs that might be living up there. Uh, I was just, I just couldn't, I don't think I'd ever seen a house so clean Mm -hmm. in my entire life. And it just really struck me what a, what a biological desert that would be for something like a hummingbird trying to, to live in that area. Just wouldn't even be on the, on the, uh, the list of places for it to go to try to find food because there was nothing. Um, So anyway. It's always good to leave a little bit of nature there to help things because it's those connections. And that's some right. of the things that we don't often think about is, is the, the connections in nature. Everything truly is interconnected in one way, shape, or form. And you take a piece of it away, it's going to have a, a domino effect on other pieces that are out there. So right. leave a little, leave a little spider web in the corner of your house sometime. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, any other cool little things about uh yeah, one of the things that we talked about uh, always yeah, I'm sure we've mentioned it before, but it just never ceases to amaze me. Again, the, the the odds being stacked against the the mother hummingbird because they can fall victim to a number of amazing creatures that you wouldn't think take out hummingbirds. Oh yeah. And I have Who I have seen some incredible Images on the net where praying mantis get Mm -hmm. on a hummingbird feeder, and believe it or not, they are strong enough. The big the big praying mantis are strong enough and big enough to impale a hummingbird when they come to the feeder. Yep, grab them. Actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, and actually, Mm. yeah. (laughs) Who knew? I've seen. (laughs) I've seen images of like people who have uh, backyard water features, you know, uh, ponds or streams or whatever, and they they have frogs, big bullfrogs.
2: Oh, yeah, if you have a good enough size bull enough water feature to have bullfrogs, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah you know, and, and and hummingbirds love to bathe. They do what's called leaf bathing. Mm-hmm. you know, where like on today's a very rainy day here, and a hummingbird would be rubbing up against a wet leaf to kind of do its bathing. I have a little uh, water feature that has water cascading down the side of a kind of a jug type thing, and they'll go and rub up against that. So if you have a water feature that has a little waterfall, and yet you've got bullfrogs (laughs) hanging out there, you may have a hummingbird coming close enough that the bullfrog can literally reach out and nail it. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, it is. Yeah. (laughs) So, so you got to give it to mom. You do have to Mm -hmm. give it to mom. Mm -hmm. Hummingbirds—they are the odds are totally, in my opinion, stacked against them, Uh, and for them to go ninety plus days of just incredibly intense activity and and um, action, uh, you know,
2: yeah, raising those little ones, yeah,
1: yeah, and then to come out the other side of it and have one of the highest success rates, nesting success rates there is. Yep, you gotta give them credit. It's, it's amazing. All right. So, Brian, I think uh, touch base and give our due respect to hummingbird moms. And, and maybe we should go ahead and wrap up today.
2: Well, John, before we go, uh, you know, there are always potential for illness at bird feeders. And right now, uh, we are dealing in North America with the avian flu that is walking across North America and US and Canada. And there are a lot of questions around that and there's a lot of information flying around. And and we we do get a lot of questions about, what do I need to know? What's most appropriate? Can I still feed the birds? Is that okay? Well, just to put out there that we do have a page on our website at wbu.com, avian-flu, that has information from different government agencies and other leading agencies and what's going on and what you can do about bird feeding. It is a fluid situation, so we're keeping that up to date. But as always, no matter what would ever happen, is we always recommend practice that responsible bird feeding and keep your feeders clean and sanitized. So you can go to the website, we'll have it in our show notes, so you can keep up to date with what's going on on behalf of all of us at Wild Birds Unlimited, definitely thank you so much for listening today. All about hummingbirds. It's all about mom. Hope you really enjoy and agree that hummingbird moms are the champions in
1: the bird world. So please rate and review us. Love to hear what you have to say. Come back because it's going to be a very special episode that we're calling Meet the Flock. So until then, Brian and I are going to continue to let nature be our guide. So please, take care be safe, and keep your feeders clean.
2: Thanks for joining us, everyone.
0: To subscribe to the podcast, for show notes, or to find the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. And we'd really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. Until next time, be sure to find a moment every day just to relax and enjoy the birds.